As we learnt, a marriage is split into two parts. The first is Kiddushin, when one acquires the woman, and the way in which that is generally done is by giving her money or a document, and from that point onwards she is forbidden to have relations with anybody else, and the punishment for doing so is that she and the man who she had relations with are killed by Beistin. And the second stage is the Nesuin, which is when they become fully married, that is done under the Chuppah, and after that stage, they go and live with each other and have relations. Now, if a man performs Kiddushin on a Basula, a woman who has not had relations before, and then when it comes to the stage of Nisuin, and then they have relations, he discovers that she is not a Basula. So there are two options of what could have happened. Either the woman had had relations before she received Kiddushin, in which case the Kiddushin is not valid, it is called a Mekach Ta'us, which is when one acquires something or someone based on misinformation. So he assumed that she was a basula and she didn't tell him otherwise. So if indeed at the time of the Kiddushin she was already not a basula, then the Kiddushin is not valid and they are not considered to be married. Now that isn't to say that they're not allowed to be married. If you were to perform Kiddushin on her now again, knowing that she is not a basula, then they would be able to be married. However, they are not yet married, which means that if he chooses to divorce her, she will not receive a kasuba, the money which a woman generally receives when she is divorced, because they were never married. And this is really what the Mishnah meant in the first four Mishnahs which we saw, and in the coming Mishnahs, this is a tanas basulim. If the Mishnah says that a man does have the right to claim a tanas basulim in Beistin, that's when he claims that he did Kiddushan on a basula, and he discovered that she's not really a basula. When the Mishnah says that he has got that right, what the Mishnah is really saying is that she does not receive a kasuba. If he decides to separate from her and not to remarry her, then she would not receive a kasuba. Now there's another possibility that really at the time of the Kiddushin, she was a basula and the Kiddushin was valid, so they were married. But that means that she must have had relations during the Eresin period. The Eresin period is a time between the Kiddushin and the Nisuin. And in such a case, it depends. If she had relations with another man willingly, then it would indeed be forbidden for her to be married to her real husband. He would have to divorce her and she would lose the right to her kasuba since it's because of her illegal act that they need to get divorced. However, if somebody forced her to have relations during the Erison period and she did not do it willingly, then she is allowed to be married to her real husband and if he decides to divorce her, then she would receive a kasuba. Now this Mishnah talks of a custom which there was in the area called Yehuda that already after the stage of Kiddushin, the man and woman would go into a room by themselves together and they would develop their affection for each other. According to some, they would have relations even, already at the stage of Kiddushin. Now in general, this is forbidden. Just like it's forbidden to have relations with a single woman, it is also forbidden to have relations with a woman who he has performed Kiddushin on before the stage of Nisuin. It's not a severe prohibition, but it's still forbidden. However, there was a way to permit it if they did the Sheva Brachas, the seven which are made generally under the chuppah, if they made them at the time of the Kiddushin, then that would permit them to already have relations then. And the reason for this custom was that the Romans decreed, specifically in the area of Yehuda, where the tribe of Yehuda lived, that whenever a Jewish girl received Kiddushin, before she went and completed the marriage with her husband, she would first be forced to have relations with a Roman officer. Now this was a terrible decree, however, since he would force her to have relations, she would still be permitted to marry and have relations with her real husband, as long as he was not a Koyen. If he was a Koyen, then the truth is they would actually hide those girls and make sure that the Romans wouldn't find out that she had received Kiddushin, 
happen. Because if she was forced to have relations with another man, then she would indeed be forbidden to marry and have relations with her real husband, who is a Koyane. But for a regular Bas Israel, a regular Jewish girl, even after being forced by this Roman officer to have relations with him, she would still be permitted to her husband. Now, in order to make sure that it was indeed forced upon her, and she didn't partake in the relations willingly, they instituted that she should be alone with her real husband immediately after the Kedushin, in order that their love for each other and their relationship grows, so that when the Roman officer takes her to have relations with her, she will not want to do it at all, and it will be totally forced upon her. That way, she would certainly be permitted to marry her real husband. So the Mishnah says, One who eats by his father-in-law in the area called Yehuda, and this is referring to the feast which they would have after the stage of Kedushin. And at that point, they would go into a room together, Shalob Edim, without witnesses, without anybody else there, for the reasons that we explained. When it comes to the stage of Nisuin, and they then have relations together, the husband is not able to claim this Tanas Basulim and say to Bastin that he performed Kedushin on a Basula, and now he sees that she really wasn't a Basula, so she shouldn't receive her Kasuba. The Beistin will not listen to him, and if he wants to divorce her, he would need to give her a kasuba, because he was alone with her at the time of the Kedushin. So even if he claims that he didn't have relations with her then, since they were alone, we do suspect that they did have relations together, and he wouldn't be believed, so he would need to give her her kasuba. Now, the second half of the Mishnah is a new topic, and we have seen so far that the kasuba of a basula is 200 zuz, and the kasuba of an almana, a widow. And the same goes for a divorcee, the point is somebody who has had relations before, or somebody who has been fully married before, their kasuba is 100 zuz. And the Mishnah says, Achas almanas Yisrael v'achas almanas Koyain, both a widow who is a bas Yisrael, she comes from a family of Yisraelim, regular Jews, as well as a widow who comes from a family of Koyanim, since she's a widow and she's been married before, Kusubos on Mone, next would be 100 Zuz. However, when it comes to a Basula who is from a family of Koyanim, her Kusuba is more than a regular woman. Bastin shall Koyanim, the Bastin of Koyanim, which either refers to a special Bastin who sat in the Beis Hamikdash and was made up of Koyanim and dealt with issues to do with Koyanim, such as tracing back the ancestry of a particular Koyan to make sure that he is indeed a Koyan. Alternatively, this is referring to a regular Bastin of 23 judges, which there was in pretty much every city. Every city would have a large Bastin of 23 judges, and so this is referring to one of those Botedin in a city of Koyanim. There were specific cities where only Koyanim lived, so we're talking about those Botedin. Be as it may, they would do the following. They would collect for a basula who came from a family of Koyanim 400 Zuz. And the Chachomim did not protest about this. In fact, they said it was a good thing because since the families of Koyanim have a greater and more noble ancestry, it's considered better yichus, and so it's more desirable to marry a woman who comes from such a family, and therefore she deserves a kasuba of 400 zuz, which is double the amount which a regular basula would receive. Mishnah in the coming few Mishnahis, we're going to see four very fundamental principles and rules which come up in many different places throughout Shas. The first one is known as a chazaka. 
The rule of Chazaka dictates that we assume that the status of an item or a person remains the same as it has been up until now, unless proven otherwise. For example, if we knew that somebody was not married, and now a doubt arises as to whether she was married or not, the rule of Chazaka would say that we assume that she is still not married. The next rule is Hamitz Mechaveroi Olav Haraya. That means that if somebody is trying to take money from somebody else, he claims that he is entitled to money from that person, he is not able to take that money unless he proves that he is entitled to it. So if a doubt arises as to whether somebody owes money to somebody else, he can keep it unless the other man can prove that he is owed the money. Alright, third rule, Bori Vishema, Bori Odif. If two people have claims against each other, and one claim is a Bori, it's a certain claim, whereas the other person's claim is a shema. It's an uncertain claim, perhaps something else happened. In such a case, the certain claim is stronger. And we will see examples in the coming Mishnayis. And the fourth very important rule which we're going to see is known as migoi or migu. And that rule states that if somebody says something, he makes a claim, and that claim is something which will benefit him. However, he could have made a claim which would benefit him even more. In such a case, we trust him that he is telling the truth, since if he was lying, he could have said a lie which is much more advantageous for him. So the fact that he said something which is less benefiting for him, we believe that he is telling the truth. And in the coming Mishnahis, we're going to see how these rules come together, and what if one rule contradicts the other, which one is stronger. And the first case is as follows. One who marries a woman, and he doesn't find the features of a basula. So he performed Kiddushin on who he thought was a basula. And when it comes to the stage of the Nisuin, he has relations with her and he discovers that indeed she is not a basula. He, Omeres, she, the woman, claims that at the time of the Kiddushin, she was a basula. And Misha'erasti, after I received Kiddushin, and I became an Arusa, and Arusa is a woman who has received Kiddushin but not yet gone through Nisuin, Ne'enasti, I was forced to have relations with another man, and in such a case where she did not willingly have the relations, she is entitled to a Kasuba. And since at the time of the Kiddushin, she was indeed a basula, so the Kiddushin was valid. V'nistachafasadecha which literally means that your field got washed away, meaning the thing which you brought, me, something happened to it out of my control, out of your control, but I was already yours. I was already your Arusa, and I am entitled to a Kasuba if you wish to divorce me. But the other one, the man says, that is not so. Now, he doesn't know when exactly she had relations, but he is saying that perhaps, I don't know, maybe you had relations before I performed Kiddushin with you. And my acquisition of you at the time of the Kiddushin was a Mekartos. A Mekartos is a acquisition made based on misinformation. And such an acquisition is totally invalid. So he is claiming that his Kiddushin was invalid, which means that they're not actually married to each other. And he wishes to separate from her, and he does not need to give her the Kasuba because they were never married. If the Kiddushin was invalid, then certainly the Kasuba which comes with the Kiddushin is also invalid. So in this case, the woman's claim is a Bori. That's a certain claim. She's claiming that such and such definitely happened. I was forced to have relations after I received Kiddushin. The husband doesn't know. He's saying, Shema, perhaps you had relations before then. So Rabban Gamliel of Rabbi Eliezer Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Eliezer say that she is believed, and the truth is out of the four principles which we mentioned before, three of them ex- exist in this case, on her side. Firstly, Bori Vashema, Bori Odith. 
her certain claim is considered stronger than his uncertain claim. Secondly, she has a chazaka of being a basula, of not having had relations. Now there is a doubt as to whether at the time of the Kiddushin she was still a basula, or perhaps her status had changed and she was no longer a basula, rather she had had relations. So the principle of chazaka states that we assume that her status remains as it was until now a basula. As well as that, the principle of Migoi, that she could have said a more advantageous lie if she was lying, that also applies. Because the fact that she is saying that she had relations and it was forced upon her, that makes her forbidden to ever marry a Koyen. Although she is permitted to her husband, as long as he's not a Koyen because it was forced upon her, a woman who has had illegal relations, even if it was forced upon her, is forbidden to marry a Koyen forever. Now, she could have claimed that the reason why her husband didn't find the features of a basula is because she's a Mukas Eitz. A Mukas Eitz is a woman who lost the features of being a basula due to an injury, and such a woman is permitted to still marry a Koyen. So the fact that she said the less advantageous statement causes us to believe her because of the principle of Migoi. So Seir Beliezer and Roman Gamliel, we have these three principles, and because of those, she is believed. However, Rabbi Yeshua says, we're not living by her mouth, we do not believe her. Rather, she is assumed to have had relations before the time of the Eresin, or the Kiddushin, the Hitatu, and she sort of tricked him by not telling him this vital piece of information. It is considered to be a Mekah an acquisition or Kiddushin based on misinformation. Unless she can bring a proof for her words, and then she'll be able to take the Kasuba money. And Yeshua is basing his law upon the rule of that if somebody wants to take money from somebody else, in this case she wants to take the Kasuba money from him, she can only do so if she can prove that she is entitled to it. Mr. Zion, what happens if they both agree that she was not considered to be a basula at the time of the Kiddushin already, but here, Maris, she claims that Mukas eats Ani. And on Mukas eats, I lost my features of being a basula due to an injury. And even if she didn't tell him at the time of the Kiddushin that he didn't know this fact, that doesn't turn the Kiddushin into a Mekah Because a man is not generally that particular if she is a Mukas eats, only if she had relations with another man. Then that's considered to be vital information, which if he doesn't know, then the whole Kiddushin is not valid because of a Mekah But if she hasn't got the features of a Basula due to an injury, then the lack of information is not considered so vital, and therefore the Kiddushin would still be valid. So she claims that she was a Mukas 8, and therefore the Kiddushin was valid, and so she is entitled to a Kasuba. But he claims likely that is not the case, or he doesn't know what the case is, but he's saying that perhaps Shema Eladrusas Ishat, which literally means you were trampled by a man, meaning you had relations with a man before we, before you received Kedushin. And so it wasn't a Kartos, and you are not entitled to a Kasuba. Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi say that she is believed, firstly because it's Bori Vashem or Bori Odif. She's making a certain claim and he's making an uncertain claim. And as well as that, there is a Migoi, because she could have claimed that she became a Mukas 8 after the time of the Kedushin. We're going according to the opinion of the Chachomim, that the Kasuba of a Mukas 8 is 100 Zuz. But if she would have claimed that she became a Mukas 8 after the Kedushin happened, then her Kasuba would be 200 Zuz, because at the time of the Kedushin, she did have the features of a Basula. So the fact that she's making a less advantageous claim by saying that already at the time of the Kiddushin she was a Mukas 8, we do believe her because of the principle of Migoi. 
However, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, Lo impianu chayin. We are not living by her mouth. We do not trust her words. Rather, she is assumed to have had relations with another man before the Kedushin. And therefore, it is a mekach to'us ad until she brings a proof for her words. And this again is based on the principle of hamaitzi mechaviroi olav haraya. Since she is trying to take money from him, she needs to bring a proof in order to do so. Now, regarding the fourth rule of Chazaka, that is again another reason for Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Gamliel, that since her original status was certainly that she hadn't yet had relations with another man, that's not appropriate. So she has a Chazaka of not having had relations with other people. So that also supports her claim that she is a Mukas Eitz and not that she had relations. Mishnah Ches, in this Mishnah, only two out of four of the principles are going to be relevant. And the case is that People saw a woman speaking to somebody in the marketplace. And what the Mishnah is alluding to is that she was seen going into a room by herself with another man. Now, Mujabonon, it's forbidden for a woman to be alone with another man, that's known as Yichud, because we're concerned that if they are alone, then they might come to have relations with each other. Be as it may, once they saw her be alone with this man, Omrullah, they said to this woman, What's the situation with this man? Who is he? And she replies, Ish plaini, she's, he is so-and-so, v'choyinhu, which we are going to translate to mean that he is somebody who, if I had relations with him, I would still be permitted to marry a koyin. There are certain people, such as a mamzer, who is somebody born from illegal relations, and he is forbidden to marry a regular Jew. And if he has relations with a woman, that woman is from then on forbidden to marry a koyin. So she is saying that he's not a mamzer or somebody else like that. Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yezir say that she is believed, firstly because she has a chazoka, a previous status of being fit to marry a koyain. And for now, that, that's the reason which we're going to give. The principle of chazoka. On the other hand, Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Yeshua says, We are not living by her mouth, we do not believe her. Rather, she is assumed to have had relations with a nosin or a mamzer. A nosin is somebody descended from the giv'oinim, who tricked Yeshua and the Jewish people into allowing them to convert. Be as it may, it's also somebody who it's forbidden to marry. And if she had had relations with him, then she would be forbidden to marry a koyain. And Yeshua is saying that she is indeed forbidden to marry a koyain now. Unless she brings a proof for her words that it was somebody else. The reason for Yeshua is that it's true that she had a chazaka of being allowed to marry a koyain. But now that she has been alone with this man, which itself is illegal, so she loses that chazaka, and we now suspect for the worst.